amazing things can come out of really dark places. So I tweeted the other day, your survival skills from one season of life will eventually become your chains in the next. And so you have to understand all of these things that made me successful. I also had to unlearn a lot of them so that I could be successful in other areas of my life. Welcome back to Experable. I'm your host, Krati Mehra. And in this show, we learn from the success and struggles of people we admire and dive deep into concepts that help us expand the possibilities available to us so we can freely, boldly design the life we desire, discover the depth and breadth of our capabilities, access the wisdom available in the world around us, and even on really bad days, love what we see in the mirror. Are you ready? Let's go. Today's conversation is with Amanda Getz, who is the founder and CEO of House of Vice. She's also a marketing consultant, brand builder, and content creator on personal and professional growth, inspiring over 110,000 people every week through her social media insights and weekly newsletter, Life's a Game. This interview was a masterclass in entrepreneurial mindset, online brand building, and effective emotional management for life. We discuss a lot in this episode from creating a vision for the future, strategizing for a new business, to successfully building an online audience that's truly invested, and not only surviving, but thriving through the emotional storms in your life. And through it all, what stands out is Amanda's clarity around pretty much all aspects of life, which, as Amanda shares, is one of the major contributors to her success. Thankfully, she shares exactly what has helped her cultivate this level of clarity around her values, her approach to life and business, and how we can do the same. So I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for being here. You have achieved amazing things. You are very inspirational and also the way you share your story. I think it's perfect because... We always feel like there are elements that we have to take out of the perfect vision, the ultimate vision, and we can only get so much and not everything is for us. But there is such a thing as getting the essence, you know, sucking the marrow out of life, so to say, and you seem to be doing that. So tell me about how does one draft that kind of vision? You know, there are so many elements to what makes a happy life. So when you think about your future, when you want to put a vision together, How do you go about that? How do you come up with like the identity, the ideal identity you want? Yeah, so I do a few things. First of all, every year I do take time and I step back from my life and zoom out and really start to think about what areas do I feel have been put on the back burner and where do I want to focus my time and energy? And you have to do that at a macro level because There are times in your life that career gets put on the forefront and you're pushing and maybe your social life dips a little bit or your relationships with, you know, your partner dips a little bit and being very aware that that's the sacrifice you're willing to make in that time, but also being aware that that needs to have a finite date. And so if you look at my career, you see that I've, I have bounced from corporate life. So I started at Ernst & Young. Then I went to a startup. Then I started my own startup. Then it was time I had my first baby and I went back into the corporate world and I learned a ton and managed a huge team. But there was like a stability and safety net. And I, I felt like I could boundary my time better so I could invest in, you know, being a mom. And then, you know, five years later, I decided now's the time I feel like I've really poured into my my children, I'm excited to go kind of spread my wings again as a founder and launched another company, did that for a few years and then sold that company. And then for the last 10 months, I've been back in the corporate world. And so life is about these kind of waves and you cannot stay on a wave too long and you need to go back and reevaluate. So I do that at a macro level, probably twice a year. I truly like to say, okay, I'm going to go somewhere 
I take my journal. Sometimes I even like make a vision board. I was just looking because I think it's somewhere around here. But um, but I will like truly say what's important to me in this next season of life. And then in the micro, like I don't let a day go by. I have my non-negotiables. So my main non-negotiables are I have creative deep work time in the morning from five to seven. That is making sure that I'm like doing something that lights me up and I'm passionate about. I'm moving something forward that is mine. And so even when I had the like corporate nine to five, that was my time where I like wrote and decided I was going to start a newsletter and write about things that I was passionate about. So that's non-negotiable number one. Non-negotiable number two is I have to work out every day or at least get a long walk in. That is That gives me energy. It makes me feel good. It de-stresses me. That's number two. Number three is I do this transition from my work day when I'm super like, you know, assertive and aggressive and you're on and you're going out and getting things. I have this transition ritual that I do every day that allows me to re-soften so I can be more maternal for my my children. And I, and I call it a commute bath. But I go and I take a bath and I play music and I just like decompress. Right. And I honor that transition time. So that's a non-negotiable because I've just found when I skip that, I am I'm transferring one identity into another role and it doesn't work because work, Amanda, doesn't work for mom Amanda. So <laughs> that's the other one. And then at night I go to bed early. I honor my bedtime routine and making sure that I really create that safe space. So that's like my day-to-day non-negotiables. And those never fade. Like I I prioritize those every single day. And that has seemed to like allow me to find that micro balance even in the midst of a macro sprint of my life that feels like I'm pushing a little bit more. That makes so much sense. We should have this advice on like a card and put it in every gift box everywhere. I think this makes (laughs) so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because what you are saying, I think that would really like provide a solid structure to your day as well. When you have like these non-negotiables put in that simply do not get moved around, then you can structure the rest of your day around it. And it just gives a nice little foundation to your day. So that that makes a lot of sense. I want to ask you about like the bigger vision, the macro vision. How attached do you think people should be to that vision? Considering you've had quite a few ups and downs in your life, just how much emotional investment should you pour into it? I mean, there has to be a degree of emotional investment for it to actually drive you. But how fluid should you keep that? Well, the way I would frame it is you have to know your why you're doing something. Yeah. You want to start a company, why? Because if you don't do that introspection work, you're going to just like chase shiny objects and that's never a good place to be. And so I have a couple of things that I, I do every year. So I've read this somewhere and I will find figure out who said it, but I, so I'm, I'm stealing this from someone. I, do not okay. this. No I think worries. it was um, Sarah Blakely's husband, but don't quote me on this. Um, <laughs> but this idea of when you look back at a year on your life, can you recall like that was the year I did this? And so for example, I can right. go through my life and be like, okay, 2013, I had a baby. 2014 was the year I ran my first marathon. 2015, I, you know, started at the knot and I had my second baby. And then like your banner years, like what's something big that you did and you can remember that. Like yeah. it might be like I I look back and it's like 2021 was the first year I took a solo vacation. And that was a big deal for me. But I think it's really important to like have these kind of banner things. And I have a list in my notes app of things I still want to accomplish. Like I want to write a book. I want to, like I had all of these things on the list that like, I mean, I'm 
getting closer to 40 now. So I have a lot of them accomplished. It was like, I want to be on a TV show. Okay. I did that. It was hilarious and funny. Um, I want to be in a magazine, like things that address ego for sure, but they're just things I want to do. And knowing why I want to do them was really important. And starting a company for me was mission driven. Like I want to do something that helps people. And I felt like House of Wise was like a pathway to do that. Like I could yeah. connect with people deeper. I could help people drink less alcohol. Um, and I felt really passionate about that. So it's a long, very long-winded way to answer your question. But this very succinct way is to say, truly know your why. Spend more time up front. I think that many of us, we live in a very short attention span, instant gratification society. Like we we literally think we want a donut and we can make a donut appear in 20 minutes. Like I would challenge everyone to spend a little bit more time up front, really getting to know their motivators and where their subconscious might be speaking a little bit more and just bring that to your, to your conscience and, and pursue things with that in the driver's seat. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, in fact, you know, the house of wise, the story behind it, or what led up to it, it's, it's, it's a delightful story. It is so mission driven, like you had a very clear advice. So it makes sense what you are saying here. And I also get like that clarity would help you also turn that into reality. You know, you would are a sure. good example of that. So uh, I also want to ask you, for someone planning to start a new business, what are some questions they should consider before they take the leap? First is knowing your why, like 100%. Why do you want to do this? What is your mission? Second, hold it with an open hand. It's going to change. Like you will pivot 20 times and that's okay. It's not going to look exactly like you think it's going to look. And so with that, that leads me to point number three, which is don't spend so much time trying to be perfect before you launch it. Just ship it and get going because you're going to ship it to maybe a hundred people. Let's be honest. I have a platform of 125,000 people. I like in the early House of Wise days, we were still only like talking to a thousand that wanted the products, wanted to try the products. Like it starts small. You think you're going to have this massive launch and everyone's going to like be talking about it and it has to be perfect. Like it doesn't just ship it, start learning, start talking to people and then you're going to iterate. And then the the last thing I'll say is the, the shiny object thing when you're a founder is real yeah. because when you launch a company and you start getting out there, so many people want a piece of it, want to talk to you. And that's part of the game. Like being a founder is all just playing a game. Like you're just trying to like get as many people as excited about it and on the bandwagon and create this momentum. But everyone, the more you talk to people, the more people will want a piece of it and want to say like, oh, you should really collaborate with this person. You should do a partnership with this person. You have to know how you're going to do it and why and stick to that because otherwise you will spend more time playing the founder game than actually building the company. People will be like, you got to go to this event. You got to go to this event. You got to speak at this event. And pretty soon you're not actually building a company. You're just building a public persona as a founder. And those are two very different things. Okay. If it's for someone who has no ideas as yet, like this would really help someone who has got an idea, who's on the cusp of, you know, like laying the leap this will really clarify things for them but for someone who has no idea but knows that they want to be their own boss they want to be an entrepreneur how do they go about strategizing do you did you have like a because we know how house of vice came around like there was a very very clear mission there but for someone who doesn't quite have a why yet is that where we start like you you've shared some uh, some ideas around that but i would love to know yeah there's two types of founders in the world that i found Um, the first is they see a problem and they go out and solve it. The second are, I want to be a founder. So I'm going to go figure out how to be one. If you're the first, you have, you see a problem, you start learning about it 
And all of a sudden, your the solution starts to come into frame. That's what happened with me. I wasn't trying to be a founder again. In fact, being a founder is a really tough life. And I did it the first time. And it was super hard. I'm like, I don't really want to do that again. But then I saw this problem. And I it got to the point where I couldn't stop thinking about it and thinking about the solution and why I was uniquely positioned to solve it. Now, if you're in the other category where you're like, I want to be a founder. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I want to build. What I would say is the first step is start building a personal brand because figuring out what your skill sets are and what you would talk about. So like creating your content pillars. I am really good at let's say you have built physical products and you understand supply chain. Okay. You've been a part of that. Okay, great. My content pillars are now going to be the process. How do you go from zero to one and build a physical product? And I'm going to start creating a ton of content. Here's where the roadblocks are. Here are five mistakes I've seen people make. You start just like building content. Then as you start to get into that cycle of becoming building your personal brand, what will happen is you'll connect with different people and you start having those conversations and they'll be like, well, hey, with, with supply chain stuff, I keep seeing these problems. Like, And then all of a sudden you might say, wow, mm-hmm. there is an mm-hmm. opportunity here. Yeah. So I would say start with your building your personal brands around areas of experience that you have and in the industries that you have, then you'll start to open up opportunities. Yeah, that's that's gold. I think that would help a lot of people because I do know that, you know, you have, again, the vision for your life and there are, there is an identity already existing in your head, but you don't quite know how to get there. So this sounds super helpful, especially in this day and age where the online persona, being a brand in yourself is so much a part of the whole landscape. So that makes so much sense. But I would love to ask you, this is something I've struggled with. I know other people who have built a company have struggled with this, at least in my social circle. The Your identity, like how fluid does your identity need to be as you go into a business? Because there is a very like a clear idea you have of who you want to be how you want to represent yourself when you put yourself on Instagram, when you put yourself in in a podcast interview, when you like choose the colors, all of that. But there is such a thing as what the business needs you to be. Then how do you like walk that line? At the end of the day, I mean, this can be applied to dating, to personal brands. A person can only pretend to be something for so long. And then that slowly fades away. So the best advice is just doing the work to really understand who you are as a person and know that like, it's okay to evolve. What I would post on social media two years ago versus what I post now has evolved. And what like, there are all these, like we're made up of all these different aspects and roles and identities and, and those can all coexist. And the one you want to lead with at any given time may change. Like sometimes I've really leaned into like my assertiveness and in like, you know, building a business. And then sometimes I lean into my softer side and I talk about my dating life or being a mom. And not everyone wants to interchange those different things in your personal brand. And that's okay. But I think just being aware of all of your parts and all of your identities and then discovering, like, it's never never approaching it as who does the business want me to be because that's just not going to work. You won't keep that up. Right. You need to truly be able to be in alignment and the business needs to fit into who you are because you're just not like... I've watched people try to be a, like aggressive founders because yeah. they feel like that's who they need to be. And it they feel icky because that's not who they are and they want to be empathetic leaders and they care about people. And it, it just doesn't work. And so just leaning into who you are and knowing your superpowers is truly, truly like 
where the click in happens. Yeah, I love that. I'll just add my like my two cents to it because this has been a point of struggle for me as a business owner. I have said no to a lot of opportunities and at a time when I had no income coming in. But it was because I was at such a level of comfort with my identity, with who I know myself to be, my value system and all of those things. So for me, it was easy. But I saw people around me freak out. Like, that's a lot of money. You're too new to this world to say no to things. You should say yes to everything. But I never felt scared. I never freaked out because there was that level of acceptance. This is really not who I am. This is not going to work for me. I can't be someone, this one person today and then expect my audience or whoever it is that I'm asking to trust me to accept me in this other role the very next day and then go back to being that other person. It just simply wouldn't work. People are far too discerning to pull that kind of stunt. And it's also, let's like, it's kind of deceitful if you think about it. So... Yeah. But I love how seamlessly you integrate those two, like your different personas of yourself, because we do have different personas and it's the, the point of integration that becomes a struggle a little bit for us, at least. I continue to struggle with it, but I find it very inspiring when I see your Instagram, how wonderfully it all comes together. So it it, it can be done. And I'm guessing a lot of work goes into it, but it doesn't like you don't see the work, you see the end product and it looks beautiful. So I would like to know what that process looks like. Like, Is there a lot of struggle or do you just like, as you said, lean into your truth and you share that? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could sit here and say, I have a content strategy and I think (laughs) about what I'm posting before I post it, but I don't, I mean... I still to this day have never scheduled a tweet in my life. Um, Everything is happening when I think of it. And that's just who I am. I know I'm hitting this place now where in order to scale, I need to to put some systems in place. But for me, growing my audience has just been about sharing my life. And here's the interesting thing. I, if we were to go to a dinner party 10 years ago, before I ever touched social media, you would know probably more about me than you'd want to know. And I would know more about you than maybe you'd want to share. Um, I crave deep connections and that is just part of my DNA. So I transferred who I am in real life onto social media. And I think that that's why that works. Now you'll, you can watch other people who they feel like they're supposed to be sharing because that's how you connect Yeah, and it's uncomfortable to them. And that comes across. And so I, whenever I coach people on, you know, what they want to do with their personal brand, like I was just having a coaching call the other day and the guy was like, he has so much amazing experience. He's like, I just, I like, I want to talk about my experience. I don't want to talk about my personal life. I don't want to let people in. Like, I want that to be private. And I'm like, okay, then don't do it. Like there are many brands out there that show your expertise in your professional arena. And then there is a hard, like a full wall between your personal life. And so my advice to everyone is I appreciate, like, I'm so glad that you feel connected to me and and how I want to share. And you see all aspects of my life. And the takeaway from that is that is authentic to me and how I connect with individuals. And everyone needs to assess how they show up online based on how they actually connect with people in person. I'm going to really use this advice for myself because I continue, I struggle that so much. I'm I'm someone who is very, very private. I do not want to share anything from my personal life. Uh, I don't like to tell people, oh, today I'm out for dinner. Oh, now I'm skiing. Now I'm this, now I'm that. I, I don't want anyone to know. But at the same time, I have an online persona. Instagram has never been my friend because I would always end up I would build an audience. I would start getting traction. I would exhaust myself because I would be doing things that do not make me happy, that feel very unnatural to me. And I'll stop posting. I'll stop posting for three months. I'm back on the platform. People are gone. And now I'm having to start over. It's the same thing. Like that cycle continued on for such a long time. Now finally decided that, okay, you know what? This is just not for me. I'm not going to be this person. This is who I am. This is what I'm comfortable sharing. I'm going to go with that. So the advice that you're giving... I think this is a 
a part of that, like a, the conclusion that you are, the idea that you are letting people have here without having to go through the struggle is where you're going to arrive eventually. It would be helpful yeah. if you start from that point and not waste as much time. Like I have wasted a lot of resources, a lot of time, or maybe not wasted because, you know, it's a learning process. But sure. maybe I'm going to like request you to be my coach and like use that <laughs> advice for myself because I continue to struggle with it. And I do not believe in demonizing the platform and saying, oh, Instagram sucks because, you know, clearly there are people like yourself who are having all of this success and that success is coming from a good place and going to a good place. So it clearly can be done. We just got to figure out what works for us. So, okay, but here I would love to know, because especially for someone who's on social media, there is so much competition and now it's super visible. It's super visible and it forces you to be visible but if you are not having that kind of success i don't know what comes up in people's minds so i would love to ask you the mindset and the perspective you recommend people maintain as they launch themselves into this world where there is so much competition when i go to target and you go to the deodorant aisle there are like eight thousand deodorants and there's really only one job two jobs to be done make me sweat less and make me smell better. Like, yeah. like, and there are 10,000 of them. Like, I don't know. There are a ton of deodorants yeah. out there. Yeah. So there is space. This is not a zero sum game. This is, there is space. Your, you, your experiences are unique. Your voice is unique. How you're going to show up online is unique. Focus less on other people. Focus more on getting to know yourself. Like we've been saying yeah. and show up authentically and you will attract the people that were looking for that style. And all you need truly to start, find a hundred authentic connections online. That will grow, but start small. You're not, you don't need to go get a hundred thousand followers. You need to find people you connect with and your message is resonating. And really understanding what message you want to put out there. Like I, I truly believe in this like antidote to hustle culture. And I, that's what I'm known for, right? Like I am all about anti-burnout. So people know me for that. And so people who are looking for, how can I be ambitious and, and drive success without killing myself? This is my person. So once you hone what the thing is you're going to talk about, yeah. you're going to layer on all of your unique facets and then you will attract people that that resonates with. So that's number one. Number two is as you grow on with a personal brand, I, we always like congratulate people when they start getting hate online because that's when you know you've like hit this inflection yeah. point. I was not ready. I am a recovering people pleaser. I have a high need to be liked. And that is something that I, through, social media has actually helped me shed a lot of that or really get introspective about where that comes from. And you have to be ready to know that like, you're not going to be for everyone and that's okay. And when you get to that point, you have to have enough tools in your toolbox and enough awareness of your high need for validation or performance for love, like whatever your thing is, Know what it is because it's going to get pinged by a random person sitting in front of their computer in the middle of nowhere. I love that. I absolutely love that. You know, I've always believed that people don't burn out because they're working really freaking hard because otherwise, you know, half the world would be burned out. So I don't think working yeah. 12 hours a day burns you out. But I think doing things that make you actively unhappy, like I shared with the social media bit, like that was my only point of friction in my entire business. I love everything I do except for that because I'd made it into this heavy burden that I was forcing myself to constantly carry I mean there are people who don't are not on social media and have success that's one also a way to go about it so I I love your advice because I I really do I mean I get sometimes like Oprah say, says you know you do what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do so I get that that's a reality of being running a business but at the same time I mean, dude, there is a limit to how much of that weight you can carry. And burnout happens when you are forcing yourself to live this life that is just simply does not feel natural to you. 
So again, thank for you sure. so much for that amazing advice. And so I think self-awareness comes across as like a dominant theme in all of what you've shared, like really knowing yourself, being very, very clear around the message you want to project and how you want to show up. So uh, yep. yeah. Okay, when that doesn't work out, especially when you pour your heart and soul into something and you feel like you've figured out the right strategy, you, I mean, failure, rejections, they're all part of it. So when that happens, how do you control your emotional reactivity during those moments? How do you not let it get in the way of how you're showing up the next day? This is definitely something I found as a second time founder was easier because first time founder you ride the highs really high and the lows really low. And those tend to happen sometimes in the same week, sometimes in the same day, sometimes in the same hour. And that emotional volatility gets exhausting. So I learned that I'm just going to stay neutral. Sure, every Kardashian just posted our product. Yeah, that's cool. Sure, we might run out of money and I need to figure that out. Okay, cool. Like, that's the extremes that I had on a weekly basis. And it's, you just kind of stay right in the middle. And the second thing is to surround yourself with people that remind you, like, what's important. Because again, within companies, all this stuff, like, this is why I named my newsletter Life's a Game. Because you're, it's all just playing a game. And whenever things get really crazy, I do this 10-10-10 reframing. I say, will it matter in 10 days? Yeah, maybe this thing will matter in 10 days. Will it matter in 10 months? It might. Will it matter in 10 years? Probably not. And that's when I say, like, okay. I'm going to get through it. In 10 years, 47-year-old Amanda is going to be like, what was that thing? You did what? Like, you have to truly put things in perspective for yourself to say, this person sent a snarky email back to my request or this person said no. In 10 years, you won't remember that. So don't let it spiral you. Is that the kind of perspective you maintained as you were? I know you're like House of Vice came into being at a very difficult time in your life. Like you were going through a lot as you were also putting this amazing thing together. How do you, were you able to limit like the emotional damage from one area of life onto, you know, from spilling onto other areas of your life? Because you also have kids like that, I think really changes the whole game. Yeah, survival mode is a funny mode. <laughs> um, my friend's actually writing a book about how some of the most greatest companies and greatest achievements came out of like the ashes of someone's life, like coming out of the depths of stuff. Yeah. And look, yes, I built house of wise during the pandemic while I had my three kids at home homeschooling them. Yeah. Hats off by the way. <laughs> while going through a divorce. And it was one of those moments where I realized now looking back, I was in pure survival, like fight or flight mode. And it definitely took time for me to shed some of that because when you're constantly operating in, in survival mode, it, it's a very, very intense place, but it's a, and you can get a lot of shit done because you're just like, okay. You're not allowing yourself to feel anything. You're just like, go, 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 go. So I would just remind people that you can't, kind of going back to the first thing we said, you cannot stay in that season for too long because it becomes unhealthy. And I'm just thankful like I have amazing therapist who constantly is like keeping me aware of when I'm pushing and why I'm pushing, what are my motivators? But amazing things can come out of really dark places. <clears throat> so I tweeted the other day, like your survival skills from one season of life will eventually become your chains in the next. And so 
you have to understand all of these things that made me successful. I also had to unlearn a lot of them so that I could be successful in other areas of my life. Yeah. And, and so it, again, I know this is the through line, but being very aware of what's driving you and, and like in that season of life, my drivers were like fierce independence. I had just come out of my marriage. I wanted to be fiercely independent. I wanted to create my own name and I cared so deeply about helping women that those two things just like lit my fire every day. And then eventually, you know, you have to make sure that you're recharging your batteries. But yeah, I think that some really cool things happen when you take the energy and, and I see, I, I'm sure we've all had friends who are going through something hard. And they can't snap out of what's of the thing that's making it hard. And they're just constantly stewing on and putting all of their energy into venting about the thing that's hard. And I always say, like, let's shift all of this energy you're putting into hating that person or that position or your manager or whatever. Let's put all of this energy that you're just wasting because they don't care. Yeah. If you've ever gone through a breakup and you hate the other person, they don't care. <laughs> they truly yeah. don't. You being so angry at someone does nothing to them. Yeah. It does so much to you. And so taking all of this energy that you're putting into someone else or something else, harness that and push it towards something. And that reframe and redirection of energy, I believe is like my superpower. When I am pissed about something, it just turns into, well, I'm going to go do something magical. I love that. I love that you, you know, took all of this raw pain and just channeled it so wonderfully in such a wonderful way. I usually, whenever the, the pain gets really deafening, my go-to method is calm down. Don't take yourself so seriously. It's it's really not that big a deal. But people don't really like that because, you know, we live in a world where we need constant validation and we think that's the healthy way to go. Like, no, my pain matters. Everybody's pain matters. You can't say things like that. And I get the perspective around it and it's a good perspective. But at the same time, it's like, but sometimes you just got to put your head down and get through the day. Yeah, I, so let me, I'll, I just want to like, Maybe offer a reframe to that. Yeah, so I think that feelings are information that are important. And so I, when you feel angry, you feel like hurt, you feel abandoned. That's information that you, either your like inner child is telling you, whatever. Acknowledging it and then letting it pass will help someone so much more than let's just suck it up. Because what happens is if you keep getting something pinged like abandonment or something, and you're like, you're fine, you're fine, get over it. What you're basically telling the the version of yourself that's inside that's feeling that way, that they don't matter. And what happens is whenever, in my experience, whenever I tell little Amanda, shut up, she gets louder. Yeah. And it bubbles into other areas of my life. And so pausing, acknowledging that feeling that you have, and then saying, I see why I'm feeling that way. I acknowledge it's there. And now I'm going to let it move through me and keep going about my day. Like it's this, it's a similar sentiment to everything you just said, but with a little bit more self-compassion. No, I agree with everything you're saying. Trust me, I get a lot of pushback when I share this advice. But what I mean by that, and this is a lived through experience for me, um, What I mean by that, maybe I can find the right words to put this across is, you know, when you've had something happen, 
the emotions are so freaking loud in that moment you the pain is unbelievable you want to cry if you want to cry cry it out you want to shout you shout it out get that energy out of your body but don't my only point is don't try to figure things out in that moment because oh, for sure yeah so that's what i'm saying like and life doesn't stop life doesn't say okay you know what figure it out and then i'll restart for your benefit life's like okay there is shit to be done so get it done do it allow yourself to get sucked into the pace of life and then when you're feeling calm when you're feeling more sort of for yourself and not so much for what has happened in that moment take it all out take it apart figure it out but even as you're doing it understand that you know it's it's part of life bad things happen like this is something i learned as a volunteer that was what pulled me out of depression was when i started volunteering and i saw the kind of pain that is so unimaginable that while my my feelings are still very valid for me i never ignore my feelings but at the same time i never allow myself to spiral anymore like oh a client didn't book when i thought it was all done and they were going to book with me they didn't book it's a big deal but it's not actually a very big deal so kind of maintaining yeah, that there's a, there's a saying that if you threw your problems into a pile with everyone else's in the world you'd be begging for to get yours back i love it <laughs> true we all have problems and and maintaining perspective and perspective is sometimes like a really hard thing especially now we work from home our social media feeds are are literally mirroring the aspirational life we want to have and it's really really important to make sure that you are exposing yourself to all different types of people all different types of problems yeah. and challenges and allowing yourself to kind of t-shirt size how much um struggle like mortality is something that i weirdly think a lot about and i have this exercise that i do whenever i cannot snap into a moment with my children i have and this might sound a little cray cray but i have this thing that i'll do let's say i'm reading a book to my son it's the same book i've read the night and night construction site i can read it right now without even the book in my hand and what happens is i'll start thinking about business or a newsletter topic that I want to write about and all of a sudden I'm just flipping pages and my brain is somewhere else and I'll catch myself and I will picture 90-year-old Amanda in the corner of the room watching us wishing she could be back in that moment snuggling her son and reading a book to him and remembering like this is what matters right now i am here and like that woman who's on her deathbed is going to be would kill to come back to this moment right now so enjoy it so like there's a lot of these like reframing exercises when you get stuck in those things yeah i love that okay i have some more like practical questions to ask you we've talked about emotions perspective mindset Now I want to learn from you about building an online brand identity and online business. You know, uh, a lot of the time when we are sharing very authentic messages on Instagram or social media, really, you know, I'm no expert. I've already shared that with you, so correct me if I'm wrong about this. But a lot of the time, people are doing really good job. They're sharing wonderful messages, but they're not getting traction. When that happens, my one one of the questions i have is and this is something i've gotten from reddit like people were discussing that now we need investment for an online business like there was a time when you could just go into it and there was very little entry cost you needed very little investment but now you need like money proper capital to invest into ads if you want to like your business to take off again i this is not my area of like my i pour my heart and soul into my podcast my podcast gets me most of my clients and so i don't know about social media i will uh, i'm asking you the other thing is um when you are posting all of these authentic messages to yourself messages that are two point so far as your business is concerned and what you're about when you don't get traction how are you supposed to take that are you supposed to think that your message is in tracking or is it 
like it's the technical side of things. So I'm going to say three different things. One, there's an offensive strategy and a defensive strategy on social media. Right. Um, engagement circles are a real thing. People make friends and say, hey, we have similar size audiences. Let's let's comment on each other's stuff. Let's like each other's stuff. Um, sometimes it's very formal. Like there are coalitions that you can join and then people, you know, say there's even startups now happening where uh, you can pay to have creators like and comment on your stuff. Like this is a thing, right? But you can do it in a very informal way where you just say, hey, I really like what you talk about. Um, if my stuff resonates with you, I'd love to, you know, help each other out and really comment and, and boost each other's stuff. So that's, that's kind of the, there's, there's really this, like, you're putting content out there, but then how are you getting people to engage with it? And you have to do both work. Like people just want the algorithm to magically make something go viral. It's not what makes it go viral. I'll give you a Perfect example. Twitter is my platform. LinkedIn is not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to invest in LinkedIn because I see the opportunity. Plus, you know, Twitter's algorithm gets changed all the time. Like sometimes it's like a great month. Sometimes it's a horrible month. And I'm like, I need to diversify. I was just getting like 10 likes, 50 likes, like not. It, it, it was just like talking to the wind. Then one day, Justin Welch, who has a massive public persona, you know, 500,000 audience uh, followers on Twitter, more on, on LinkedIn, he responded to something I posted, like one of my threads on LinkedIn. All of a sudden, I was like, how do I have 50 comments on this thing? It's because he, he yeah. commented on yeah, it. And I texted him. He's a friend. And I was like, you're like LinkedIn Santa. Like, how did this just happen? And and then I was like, oh, yeah, I you have to have other people. So you can't just think that it's going to magically happen. You have to make it happen. So that's number one. And then number two, understanding how to write. Like, having the hook. I can show you, like, I'll, I'll play with content. I'll post it one week. And then, like, a month later, I'll post it with a slightly different hook. And it'll do better. And so, like, truly, it's an it's art and science. Understanding the scientific approach to posting content has to be paired with the uh, the first thing I talked about because you there's a way to write these things that grab you in that first line. Like, you have to have a solid hook, and then. There's different types. There's different ways that you can thread it. There's so many templates out there. Like at this point, you can go and Google and say, 10, give me 10 templates for LinkedIn. Chat GPT might even be able to do that for you. Now, the third thing I was going to say is there are seasons of being a creator or building a personal brand. The first one is winter. Like, You truly, for a long time, I tweeted for eight months before to like less than a thousand people. And now I'm over a hundred thousand in three years. Like it, it has these hockey stick moments, but for a while you're going to put a really amazing post out and you're going to be like, this is beautiful. This is so smart and wise. It's going to go to five people. And you're going to be like, what the heck? Just remember, you'll reuse that. Yeah. In three years, you're in winter. You are plant. You are like getting ready to plant some seeds here. But you have to first, like stage one, is put out great content, even if it's to no one. Then share that great content with a few people in the DMs and say, hey, I'm starting to focus on content around these three areas. If that resonates with you, I'd really love if we, you know, engage in each other's content. Then next step is you amplify it. You get better at the hooks. You really test it. Um, but yeah, those are my main tips. Wow. That's awesome. That That is very helpful. And that's different from the usual advice you get. So I love that. Uh, you're, you're the advice Santa today. That's, you know, worth anything. <laughs> so th- I love that. Okay. Um, 
this one other thing that uh, I think comes up a lot with people, like we know all of these trends come up on social media and generally running an online business where your like your identity has like, is so public in those cases. I know we've talked a lot about authenticity and that has been a dominant theme and you've recommended as something that really should be prioritized. But how much room should you leave for what the market is asking you to do? If you're doing a personal brand, there, unless your personal brand is going to be memes and your audience is into memes, like if you're going to build a personal brand in crypto, you're going to speak in memes. That's the, the culture. That's the Web3 culture. Um, so I'm not going to speak in memes because it's not authentic to me. It's not what my audience expects from me. So really knowing your audience and what you're building for and what you're trying to connect with is like truly the first thing. And and I think trends like Jack Appleby, he writes the future social newsletter. He did a whole thing around like why brands should not jump on every trend and, and, like, especially when it can backfire. So like the whole Trump mugshot thing, like there's just like so many things that it's like, just because something's going viral doesn't mean your brand should do it or you should do it because it can sometimes have a negative effect if it's not in line with your tone, your voice, your mission. So just be very cognizant. I would spend way more time focused on like your message, what you're trying to get out there, how you're trying to connect with your audience versus like, what's the hottest trend. Okay. That helps. (laughs) There is something I'm curious to know about you. Like you have your general demeanor is a gentle one. You do not come across as an aggressive person, but you are a very successful founder. You've created a lot, like a, a success that's inspiring people across the world. So I would love to know, are you a very decisive person or are you very thoughtful and very carefully reach final decisions before you execute? Like there are people who move fast. So I would love to know that about you. Oh, I move so fast. This is actually a topic that I just talked about with my coach of when to, to stop and assess versus when to ship and just go. I, I operate from gut so much. And anyone that's worked with me, I think would say my superpower is just I go and I produce so much and I get so much shit done. And that comes at an expense of like thoughtfulness and I'm sure there's typos in my newsletter sometimes. Like I like I don't have an editor. I don't I mean I do it all. And I'm okay with that. Like I'm I'm about progress over perfection every single day. And that's just how I operate. And I trust myself immensely. And I also just know that like if I get this wrong, I trust myself enough to figure out the next step from there. I'll have more information and I'll make a better decision at that time. But I don't regret things. I I'll, I just move on and say, this is the decision I'm making with this amount of information. And yeah, that's kind of how I operate. <laughs> okay. So you are, you're fairly decisive. I think it put together with the answers you gave in the initial part of the episode that makes so much sense because you have such clarity around your who you are around the message you want to give would play into you moving fast now. For sure. Knowing your personal values and what you want to accomplish, that's your roadmap. You now have your GPS set. So now you can fly where so many people skip all of this upfront work. That's why like whenever I teach courses, it's half internal work, half external stuff. Um, because you can't get into the car if you don't know your destination. So you've got to really spend that time understanding like what's actually in alignment. So I agree. I think that all the work I've done, like I, lots of years of therapy and coaching and even like the companies I've worked for have put us through intense like leadership training to understand your leadership style. So now I'm like, 
I feel like I have a really good kind of like, I guess like bumper pads where I, I know I'll just like kind of stay in this middle lane. I might bounce a couple of times, yeah. but I, I know generally the path I'm staying on. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to ask you about how you show up as this person, inspire people, get shit done, take care of your kids, do all of this wonderful, wonderful work. How do you cope? And we can't have that conversation without talking about CBD because I know that's, you know, that's something that you are very invested in. There are a lot of things that I've done. Like, look, I don't want to come across as like this biohacking Silicon Valley bro. And I think that the pendulum has swung into this like hyper optimization. I need to like get the best sleep possible. And it's at the expense of like this other thing. Like I saw this doctor talking and he's like, we are conditioned for homeostasis. So when you swing in this direction, Mm -hmm. every action has a reaction. And that resonated immensely. I am not a binary person like at all. I, I am not a big drinker, but once a quarter, I may go out and go dancing and I may enjoy some cocktails. Like I am pretty good about going to bed at the same time every night. But if I want to stay up because I am binging a show and I'm feeling pretty good, I will do it. Like for me, a lot of my equilibrium comes from the space I allow myself to operate. Um, and same with like eating, my my diet, like I'm pretty healthy 90% of the time, but if I want to eat half of a jar of cookie dough, like I so do that too. And yeah, it's just, and so CBD is a big part of it. Um, it, it does help me. The good news is I have gotten to a place where I've managed my anxiety. The reason I started House of Wise is because I was struggling with intense anxiety and I needed something that wasn't alcohol because alcohol would spike my anxiety. And I'm in a really good place right now in my life where I've gotten out of that kind of fight or flight mode. I've done a lot of the work where I'm in a place where a lot of my anxiety has has kind of recessed and I can really walking. I do ice bath. I know I sound like a tech bro, but it's like, it does help me. I, I, yeah, it does really work for me. And so like figuring out the things that work for you and then giving your space to like kind of ebb and flow from those, but knowing what works and getting back to that. Like I know if I go out and I drink one weekend, I will have anxiety the next day. That means I will have CBD, I need to ice bath the next day or the week after. Like I know what my things are. And so you just need to know what your stuff is and where you can kind of like let your pendulum swing. And yeah, so those are my coping mechanisms for sure. Is CBD different from psychedelics? Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, Cannabinoids are are different. Psychedelics... um, there's lots of psychedelic studies right now. Um, I I actually was a fractional CMO of a ketamine company, which is different. Um, but I I do believe that the future of like anxiety and depression medication, like I think I think there will always be a space for people who truly like they need the medicine, and that's all that will help them recalibrate their their serotonin and, and all of that. But I, the more I started to get into that space of psychedelics and ketamine and understanding how it's being utilized by doctors. And I did, like, I am not a person that touches drugs because I am a very sensitive um, soul. And like NyQuil get not like makes me crazy. So I, but I did do one ketamine journey with a doctor to help me with my anxiety. And it was incredible. Like I, for about six months, felt like I saw color in a different vibrancy. And and I did even like a very low dose. So I think that 
it's a scary thing because you're like psychedelics. That's like Burning Man or like Woodstock and people like, you know, going on a crazy trip and being on the moon. It doesn't have to be that. And I would just say if you struggle with anxiety or depression or, you know, PTSD, getting curious and really diving into the research first. Yeah. And then researching, there are places that are now getting federal license. Like I was just in Canada, mushrooms are legal there. And, and, and so I was like, oh, I forgot. Like there are places that are really opening up and actually understanding that this, is, this can be used for good. Yeah. Yeah. They're working to legalize it in India also, which is really saying something is we are very conservative about that stuff, but we're still like, yeah. and considering as tools of therapy. You know, what comes across as I'm talking to you is you understanding your body, really knowing what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and then picking the tools accordingly. And then but was there like an adjustment period? Like when you started trying CBD, was there an adjustment period? Or did you take to it right away? Definitely. I mean, it's one of those things that you need to take for a while for your body's like receptors to recalibrate. Um, so it's not this like magical thing. Like that's why it's uh, people struggle because alcohol has such an immediate effect, right? Like you drink alcohol and you feel the like, whoosh, and that has a reaction as well. So I think DVD for sure uh, takes a little bit, but the long, the reason I started a company is because I also realized that there was like a lot of snake oil and bad products on the market because yeah. it's not regulated. So I wanted to make sure that I went to a grower that had a research lab and they understood the different strains of cannabinoids and, and all of that. So I wanted to be really intentional about the product and put the best product on the market. And once we started, once I started to work with them, it was an Israeli based company. Um, it was like, oh, this is what this product can do. It's really pretty powerful. Yeah, alcohol doesn't work for me either. It makes like, I don't drink at all. And um, so I've considered psychedelics, but I'm also someone who hallucinates whenever my anxiety gets super out of control. So I'm a little um, scared of what psychedelics would do to my nervous system. I would look into ketamine then because it's a way slower like more gentle trip experience journey, if you will. Um, and like, I took such a low dosage cause I'm the same way. Like I do not like feeling out of control. And so I took such a low dose, like ketamine for anybody that doesn't know what it is, it's actually used in hospitals as an um, anesthetic. Like it puts people to sleep. So when you're in your journey, your whole body, you feel like, not paralyzed because I could move, but everything's super heavy. And, um, and then your brain activates. And it's really cool because it just kind of felt like I was like watching a movie of my life. <laughs> and okay. very gentle. But the, the real secret sauce of doing anything like that is the pre-work and the post-work, which they call integration work. The pre-work is really, really about set and setting, setting an intention and then making sure your environment is calm. The energy is so soothing. Like there's so much work. I remember the morning I did my, I did it in the morning because I wanted to have like a morning experience. So I like got up, I journaled all morning. I set my intention. I took a bath. My sitter came. We, we talked about like my experience that, that I want to have. And then I like put everything on, had it. And then afterwards I like journaled right away, got everything out. And then the next day I met with my therapist and I told her everything. We kind of like, like worked through what I saw and figured out like what's maybe a thing for me. So there, it's not just a magic thing. You, you have just like anything, you have to like go into it with intention and then you'll, you'd be surprised what can happen. Yeah. You have, you've got me intrigued because so far, anytime we've talked about it, my friends are like, come down to America and we'll do it together. And I'm like, that does not sound like a good idea to me, honestly, <laughs> doing it with friends. I've considered doing it in a clinical setting, but as I said, it's not legal yet in India. They're working on it and that's going to take a little bit of time. But what you are suggesting makes a lot of sense. I'll still have to go somewhere else to do it. <laughs> as I said, not legal in India. <laughs> so 
that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Okay, now for my funny question. So would you, if they perfected the technology for creating clones, would you ever consider cloning yourself? And if you oh, would? God, no. <laughs> okay. The world does not need two of me. I'm one is enough. I'm a lot. Um, no, I would never clone myself. Like that would be so confusing for my kids. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was all what I was imagining. I would clone myself. I would clone myself, and I say no to like all the parties. I never party. I never like that is so not my scene. I go to bed at. You'd have like a version of you that would go out and be social. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's cool for sure. But there has to be like a part of your life that you would delegate to the clone. (laughs) But then I'd be mad that the clone is getting to experience (laughs) that in me. Okay. That's a unique. No, I want all my experiences. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. That's a good question. Yeah, I try to come up with one such question because that gives you like such an insight into the person you are talking to. And you are a very intriguing mix because, you know, usually you get guests who are very spiritual, very like working with the feminine energy. And you are someone who's got like the most wonderful mix of the masculine energy, the feminine energy, or at least what you would consider those to be. Like you've got the hustle down pat and then you've also got the self-care down pat. And it just, I'm sure it's, messier than that that I obviously it can't possibly be that easy to come by I mean you've put a lot of work into it but it's so inspiring to watch that I mean we don't always need to see behind the scenes I mean even though you always allow us to do that on your Instagram but sometimes it's just nice to believe that hey look at this person they've got it right they're a human being we're human beings we can do it too and I love that well what do you know we've reached the end of this episode Thank you so much for joining me today, for supporting the podcast, and for sharing your time with me. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show on whatever podcast platform you love. You can also watch the video version of the interviews and most of the solo episodes on my YouTube channel. Link is in the episode description. Now, if you've made it this far, you must love the content at least a little bit, or maybe you just like hanging out with me, or there was something in this particular episode that resonated with you. Or maybe it's all of those things. I would love to know. So if you've got a minute, it will be great if you can drop a review on Apple Podcasts or you can send me your thoughts on the show via email. Now, if you want content that goes deeper than even the podcast does with a lot of real life stories, one-on-one interactions, or just become part of my tribe, subscribe to my weekly newsletter. The link is in the episode description. Once again, thank you so, so much for sharing your time with me. Take care and I will be back soon with the next episode.